We've all had occasion to hear maybe someone described on the job. They say about this fellow, man, he is really good. He knows his stuff. He's a great worker. You've heard people described that way. Hopefully you've had those kind of fine compliments paid towards you as you've worked on the job. We all like to hear that sort of thing. When someone's commending you for really being good at what you do. On the other hand, I know you've also had the experience of having someone described as, that guy, he doesn't, he doesn't have a clue. He, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's in way over his head. Or, even worse, that guy's just lazy. He's a, he's a poor worker. He's just not good. On the job, we all want to hear the words of commendation, to know that we've done well, to, to receive the approval and the commendation of others. But to get that, of course, you've got to do certain things. You've got to perform at a high level. You've got to be an effective worker. Several years ago, a man named Stephen Covey wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Now, get that. He was able to identify seven habits of highly effective people. Regardless of the job, Covey said that you could denote a, com a set of common characteristics in everybody who's effective at what he does. It doesn't, mean, doesn't matter whether you're a welder or a plumber or a scientist or a physicist or a rocket scientist. Regardless of the job, it doesn't matter. Covey said if you're going to be effective in that job, seven characteristics should be identifiable. And he believed he could identify them in people who were very effective at what they did. Now, I want to take that concept. Covey said there were seven characteristics of highly effective people on the job. He's talking about secular work in the job place. I want to take his comment and I want to use his concept and I want to use it in reverse. And this morning, for a few minutes, we want to talk about seven habits of highly ineffective Christians. Now, get that. We're using this in reverse. But I believe that we can do what he did. He was able to identify common characteristics in people who were good on the job. I believe that we can identify some common characteristics in people who are failing as Christians, who are just not getting the job done when it comes to serving the Lord. And so uh, what we'll do in our study this morning is try to point out certain common traits of Christians who just are not all they need to be, who are not getting the job done in the kingdom of God, in His work and in His service. Obviously, the purpose of our study will be that... Seeing those things, we need to avoid them. We need to work to keep those out of our lives. That's our study this morning. Thanks for being here. We appreciate you all very much for your presence. Glad that you have come. We're always encouraged to be together with God's family. And, and it is a, a positive thing to spend time together serving and worshiping God. Our primary objective, as we always say, is to bring glory to God. That's what we're here for. That's our purpose not just in this hour of worship, but in our entire lives. Our purpose is to bring glory to God. So we hope he'll be pleased by everything that we do. Uh, we hope that everything will be in accordance with his will. And we hope that everybody present will be edified by the time we spend together. If you have any questions at all, if we can help in your Bible study, if there are other things we might do to be of assistance, please let us know. Uh, we would love to, to be a help to you. Thanks to everyone, especially our visitors, for coming this morning. Let's talk about these seven habits of highly ineffective Christians. Let me start out by suggesting one of the things that's bad, that's got to be avoided, is friendship with the world. I'm afraid that as Christians, especially in the modern era, 
and with the influence of all various kinds of media and so forth, that it's become a great problem for us to want to be like the world around us. In James chapter 4, at verse 4, James says, uh, whoever will be the friend of the world is the enemy of God. You cannot be a friend of the world and a friend of God. You put yourself at enmity with God if you try to be a friend of the world. In Romans chapter 16, at verse 19, Romans chapter 16 at verse 19, Paul encouraged this. He said, uh, I, w- I am glad for you, but he said, I would yet have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. In other words, Paul said, I want you to be wise about spiritual things, about things that are good. But he said, I would have you simple. Other versions say innocent. The idea is uninformed and unaware of the things that are evil. Unfortunately, uh, That's not too often the case with the people of God in this day. Uh, We know too much about the world and about worldly things. And what happens is that we then begin to want to be like the world. We want to be friends with the world. We want to act like worldly people act and talk like they talk and dress like they dress and do the things that they do. Uh, We're trying to be friends with the world. And as we read there in James, that makes us an enemy with God. Unfortunately, some folks get angry if we try to point out these sort of things, that you can't have it both ways, you can't try to straddle the fence or hold hands with the world while you're holding hands with God. Uh, But stop to think about it for a minute. In your mind, identify the people you've known in your lifetime that that you remember as having been the strongest Christians of your acquaintance. Think about those strong Christians. You know, we've all had the privilege of knowing some people that we believe were really strong Christians. How did they get that way? Well, I'll argue to you that they didn't get that way by trying to be friends with the world. That's not how we become effective Christians. You don't become an effective Christian by trying to be friends with the world. That's an ineffective process, and we need to avoid it. So characteristic number one to try to get out of our lives is this idea of being a friend with the world. We've got to avoid that. I I think another very identifiable characteristic of ineffective Christians is that they have poor worship habits. Remember the statement of David in Psalm 122, verse 1? He says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. David was glad at the opportunity of worship. But unfortunately, for some Christians, they don't feel that way. They're not happy when time rolls around for worship services. They're not excited on Sunday morning, for instance, to be present. Uh, they, they count it a drudgery to have to come back on Sunday night and just forget about Wednesday night. They're too busy. They don't have time for such things. These people do not look forward to the opportunity to worship and join together with God's people in Bible study. Instead, they dread it. It, It's boring. It's a grievous chore in their opinion. Uh, They come, but only out of a sense of dreaded obligation. They come, but if there's anything else at all, they'll go for that. If there's there's any excuse at all for missing, they will do that. Uh, They just don't enjoy worship. They have poor worship habits. I want you to think again about people you've known and do know who are strong Christians. What is, their, what is their track record in your mind about attending the services? I want to tell you, every strong Christian that I ever knew was present every time the doors were open. 
That's what they did. They're effective Christians, and it's evidenced in their worship habits. But poor worship habits represent an ineffective Christian. We have so often referenced Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, talking about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. But notice the context in which that's stated. If you back up a verse, it says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Really, the design of worship, as that passage, that very familiar passage bears out, the design of worship is for our benefit. We've often pointed out that God in heaven does not need what we're doing here today. He's not up there in heaven just waiting with bated breath to receive our worship because He's so dependent upon it. He just needs it. He can't exist without us worshiping. That's not the case at all, is it? God in heaven doesn't need anything from us. He existed for an eternity before the world began without mortals worshiping Him. And he'll, he'll exist for an eternity after this world is destroyed without mortal human beings worshiping him. His, his existence is not dependent upon our worship. We need worship, and God knows that, and that's why he instructed us to do it. But the people we're talking about here, who are ineffective Christians, who have poor worship skills, do not understand that this is all for us. The benefit comes to us. We need this. And again, strong Christians show that in their worship habits. Ineffective Christians show the opposite. They have poor worship habits. I believe that we could identify among those who are ineffective Christians the fact that they don't study their Bibles. They're not, they're not well informed. They're not good students of the Word. In 2 Peter chapter 3, at verse 18, you know that we are commanded to grow. Second Peter 3.18 says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're supposed to grow. That's not optional. We have to do it. Now, how are we going to grow? Well, look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. We grow from the spiritual nourishment that we receive from the word of God. If you're not studying your Bible you're not becoming better informed, if you don't know more now than you did a year ago, if you don't know more now than you did five or ten years ago, you're not growing. And because you're not exposing yourself you're not to the Word, you're not studying and learning and thus becoming stronger by that influence in your life. You know, sometimes, unfortunately, we've known of folks who got real sick and they're, they're, they're maybe... The signs are not good, that they may not make it, you know. What's one of those indicators that a person is really doing bad physically? They lose their appetite. You, know? you think of an, uh, maybe an elderly person who's real sick. What's one of the questions that is often asked of them? How's your appetite? Have you got any appetite? And when a person says, no, I just, I just can't eat it all. Nothing sounds good to me and I just can't, I just can't, I can't stand the thought of eating anything. That's a bad sign, right? We know that's a bad sign for physical health when a person loses their appetite. Well, it's a bad thing for spiritual health as well because a person will get weaker and weaker. They will not succeed to be what God wants them to be. An ineffective Christian is a person who does not spend time studying the Word. In association with that, I think another trait of an ineffective Christian would be one who neglects prayer. In James chapter 5, verse 16, 
James 5.16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There's much advantage to pray. We, to prayer. We need to be praying. Let me ask you a very simple question. Do you want to be close to God? Do you want to feel a closeness to God in your life? Hopefully everybody would say yes. The follow-up question to that is, how do you get there? If you want to feel a closeness to God, how do you achieve that? I want to suggest to you that these two things right here go together to bring about a closeness to God. Because those are the ways that communication exists with God. When we study our Bibles, God is speaking to us. When we pray, we're speaking to Him, right? And so there's your communication with God through Bible study and prayer. But if you're not doing either one, then you're not communicating. How do you feel close to another person? Or if you do feel, maybe the easier question is, if you feel close to another person, what's the sign of that? Well, you're in constant communication with them, right? Either you're with them in person and you spend time talking together, or if you're separated by some distance, you may talk to them over the phone, you may communicate with them by email or by written letter, but you're communicating. If you're close to a person, you want to communicate with them. And that, and that bond of closeness is maintained by constant communication. Well, if we're not striving to maintain that closeness with God, then we're, we are not going to be effective in his service. Um, think about that. And think about your own situation uh, and, and try to evaluate whether or not you are showing yourself to be effective in his service by these couple of characteristics that we've just talked about. We're saying in our lesson this morning that it's fairly identifiable if a person is not doing well in his spiritual life of service to God, there are some things that show, they come through. God in heaven certainly knows them, but others can observe them too. Uh, and these kind of things, we've got to work to, to get them out of our lives. Another trait of highly ineffective Christians is that they selfishly refuse to help others. I don't know about you, but from time to time I hear people who complain about what's been done for them. Um, I was sick and no one called me. Uh, they never check on me. They never see about me. No one's ever inquiring about my needs. Uh, or even, I, I, they just don't have, any, they don't have any programs there at the church to serve me. Think about that for a minute. And what you realize is that that's, an, that that's reflective of an attitude that suggests it is the duty of the church to serve me. It's the duty of other Christians to provide for me. Now, I want to tell you something. I mean, please understand, uh, make a, a huge caveat to this point I'm trying to make here. Certainly, we should be seeing about others. If, if others are sick, we need to be checking on them. If, other have, if others have needs, we need to be trying to supply uh, what we can toward their needs. We're not denying that at all. Certainly, that is an important part of what God wants us to do in the church. What I'm talking about here, though, are people who focus on that exclusively, uh, but who never think about what they could be doing for others. Typically, the people who complain that their needs are not being met are the very people who are not doing anything to serve others. And it's rep representative of a very selfish outlook in the matter. I want you to think about the example that Jesus left for us in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. 
Mark 10, verse 45, it says, The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, give his life a ransom for many. Our Master, what did he come for? So that others could serve him? No, so that he could serve others. And then you could link with that, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, which says that he left us an example that we should follow in his steps. His example is one who served others, didn't wait to be served himself, and, and we're supposed to follow in that example. And so I would simply ask you the question, are you doing that? And maybe a worthy test would be, compared to what I have received, compared to what I am currently receiving at the hands of other Christians who are in the Lord's church, how much do I give back? Have I, have I even considered that I should be doing for them like I want to be done myself? Or am I just selfish about the whole matter? And fact being, if you really gave an honest evaluation, I haven't done anything for anybody. If that's the case, then you're real effective in the service that God wants you to be giving. If you are just selfish and you're not helping others, then that's an outlook that the Lord does not want. It does not make you the kind of worker in his kingdom that he desires. Remember what we said at the outset? It's great to hear someone commended for doing a good job. On the other hand, it's a bad thing when someone says, he's just lazy, he does, he's not a good worker at all. Those descriptions can be applied to us, either good or bad, those descriptions can be applied to us as workers in the kingdom of God. Which one fits you? Closely associated with this point about selfishly refusing to serve others, we could talk about murmuring and complaining. And I think this is a, a real manifestation. Actually, I believe murmuring and complaining is especially a manifestation of this selfishness that we were just talking about. But again, it's an identifiable trait or characteristic in Christians that are ineffective that you find them often murmuring and complaining. Uh, if things don't go the way they want, uh, they complain about it. Um, in the text that Joel read for us earlier from Psalm 95, there was a, a statement there about the children of Israel. Of course, there are many such statements describing the children of Israel because they were they were notorious for grumbling and complaining and murmuring. In Psalm 95, verse 10, 40 years long was I grieved with this generation and said, it is a people that do err in their heart and they have not known my ways and to whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. The children of Israel were a miserable example and in particular in regards to the murmuring and complaining they did. Remember that Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that all of that information is recorded for us that we could learn from it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, he said, Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them, for example, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. We need to learn from that bad example of the children of Israel who were constantly murmuring and complaining and not do that. It is a sign of an ineffective Christian. In Philippians chapter 2, at verse 14, we are admonished to get rid of murmuring out of our lives. Philippians 2, verse 14, do all things without murmurings and disputings. People who allow themselves to fall into this habit of murmuring and complaining are just in, un, first of all, they're unhappy. Typically, the people who do this sort of thing are unhappy people, and they're very effective. 
ineffective. They're very ineffective. They can't be a positive example to others. They can't influence non-Christians in a good way to want to become Christians. Why would you want to become like that? Here's this person who's always unhappy, constantly complaining, and their non-Christian friends and associates see that in them. They're not getting anything good out of their Christianity. They're always unhappy about it. They're always complaining about it. I wouldn't want to be a Christian if that's the way Christians are. You could, you could understand how that would be the reaction of, an, of a non-Christian who sees that. So they can't be a positive influence to non-Christians, but they also can't be an encouragement to their brethren either when they're constantly complaining and murmuring. It's an ineffective trait. We need to get rid of it. Finally, let me suggest to you that these ineffective Christians that we're describing, these traits that we can pick out in their lives, we might say that they have this attitude of a Sunday Christian mentality. And I probably need to explain what I mean right here. The kind of people I'm describing here have sort of a compartment in their lives that they set aside for, for church, for religious things. Uh, they go to church on Sunday. It's what they do. They may be very regular about going to church on Sunday, but that's just a just a a compartmentalized part of their life. They think about Christianity for a couple hours on Sunday morning, and then the rest of their time they go on doing what uh, what else is important to them. Uh, they may be very regular in attendance, even. But it's just a compartmentalized attitude. They, they are Christian on Sunday. They worship on Sunday. They spend time thinking about God on Sunday. And the rest of the week, they're about their business. I want to tell you, I think those who do that become ineffective or are ineffective in serving God. Uh, our life of service to God is not just wrapped up in the really brief amount of time that we spend together in this building. If you attend all the services of the church, Bible study Sunday morning and worship, Sunday evening worship, Wednesday night Bible study, you're going to spend four hours out of a typical week here. I want to tell you, that's, that's not the whole of Christianity. That's not even close. It, that, that's an infinitesimal mark against what God really wants us to be doing. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, uh, you remember the statement that we so often reference there? Whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. That verse and others like it suggest that the whole of our life, every moment of every day, is a life of service to God. We are Christians constantly in service to God. Everything we do should be viewed in that way. And so that means uh, with our family, or our work, or our civic duties, or whatever we do, Everything is done to the glory of God. Uh, and I really think that only when we view it that way will we be the kind of effective servants of God that he desires us to be. And so if you, if you realize that maybe you've been guilty of this idea of, I'm just going to set aside a little time in my busy schedule. I'm busy with a lot of things that are really important to me, but I'll try to vote an hour or two on Sunday for being a Christian. And you're not going to, you're not going to be effective in his service. That's not going to work. You've got to begin to see that this is what we are. And every moment of every day is wrapped up in serving Him. So, what are we saying? You, actually, I think you might be able to expand that list. But if you'll allow that, 
list to be all comprehensive. I think you can probably fit most things into that list. That we become ineffective in serving God when we try to be a friend with the world, when we don't worship regularly like we should, neglecting Bible study and prayer, being selfish, not looking out to the needs of others, but always wanting my needs met and complaining and murmuring when I don't get what I feel like I want and having that compartmentalized attitude toward our Christian service. All those things make us ineffective. Now, back to what we said at the start. If someone were going to describe you as a Christian, what would that description be? Would they say, I know that guy. Man, he's a good Christian. I'm really encouraged and impressed with what I see in him as a Christian or her as a Christian. Or, are you being described or thought of in the minds of others at least as being, uh, he's really weak, he's not doing well, he's struggling spiritually, I, 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 think he's, I think he's in trouble, he's not growing, he's not strong. Whether you like to accept it or not, every one of us has a reputation along those lines. When other people think of you, they will identify you in one way or the other. Which way is it? Are you an effective Christian or an ineffective one? The, the importance of it, of course, is ultimately it, it's about God and being what he wants us to be. Are you serving God faithfully? Our lesson this morning has been directed toward those of us who are Christians. And so we'll speak to you first as we're about to sing this song of invitation. If you realize that as a Christian you're not strong, you're not effective, you're not the kind of servant God wants you to be, we urge you to make whatever necessary changes you need to make Become more and more like God would have you to be. If you've sinned and fallen away, come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If you're not a Christian yet, you need to become one by obeying that simple gospel plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. If we can help you in any way, let us know while we stand and sing this song.